0: We are what? Growing apostolic legacy. Did you get the slides, Brother Justin? Okay. And uh, I don't know if it's um, showing up on here or not. Um, But anyway, praise the Lord. Today is graduation Sunday and Pentecost Sunday. And their slides will be coming forthwith as we speak. But um, thankful for what the Lord is doing there and thankful that we're part of Apostolic Church and the church that uh, group that has been kingdom-minded over the years doing what they can and to see and to hear some of the stories. One of uh, the couple we met 20 years ago when we went to... um, uh, um, to Australia was a family by the name of the Chevloskis and um, they uh, received the Holy Ghost uh, in an outpouring that happened in Yugoslavia back in the 20s and 30s and um, uh, the uh, the they weren't born then, but they were later. That their family received the Holy Ghost then, went through World War II, and uh, then the persecution began as those areas split up into Herzegovina and uh, Croatia and Slovenia, and uh, there was a lot of persecution. So when Australia opened its borders. Uh, Some of the family moved there and uh, later brought some of the family there. Brother Chavlowski was born in the late 40s after the war, but uh, his family had gone to some of them to Australia. So he lived for a few years there in uh, Slovenia, came to his family and met there another uh, young lady from that part of the country that... Uh, where these pockets of immigrants were and uh, of course he had the Holy Ghost and uh, they understood baptism in Jesus name and then uh, just sort of they begin to mushroom in in individuals receiving the Holy Ghost and of course I know there's a, a, a very strong presence of Hillsong and some of those Uh, and other churches there. It's amazing, though. Uh, Australia doesn't consider itself a Christian nation, and that's why the election of this prime minister was so shocking to the country. They did not believe that he had a chance and yet was elected. And um, so um, what does that tell us? That, you know, the kingdom is... uh, gonna go forward whether I'm a part of it or not the kingdom will continue to grow and I'm thankful for that what a great history that we have what a great legacy of individuals that are living for God and that are trying to be involved in Kingdom minded and then the fact that we're doing all of that on Pentecost Sunday today's Pentecost Sunday and that uh, Pentecost Sunday is the word pente, P-E-N-T-E, means 50. It's a, a penta, P-E-N-T-A, is five. you Have ever heard of a pentagram? It's a five-sided star. Uh, pente is, means 50, uh, Latin their word. And so when you think of the word uh, Pentecost, you have to remember that It's sort of, in the Bible, it is the one festival that is um, (coughs) differentiated by counting. Specifically, when you read about um, the the celebration of Pentecost, it was the other festivals were on a certain day. Uh, Passover was on a certain Sabbath day that it began Passover and then the Feast of the Unleavened Bread followed that uh, other festival of Passover and of course um, we know what happened at Passover Uh, Jesus celebrated Passover and then he was later crucified. Right before he was crucified he was celebrating Passover with his disciples. So he became as it were the lamb that was sacrificed. And then the Bible says, you can read it in Exodus the 23rd chapter, you can read it in Leviticus the 23rd chapter, you can actually read it where it's repeated in Deuteronomy the 16th chapter. I didn't put all those verses there, I didn't want to overwhelm our graduates but with all the history but they have a copy of these slides they can go back and look at them and they can uh, look at all of these biblical reference and it says thou shalt count the days from Passover until the feast of what's called uh, uh, the. it's often called the festival of weeks the feast of harvest it's given a lot of different names. It's also known as Pentecost. Because you shall count 50 days. You count 7 weeks. seven sevens plus a day. So it's like 50 days. 7 times 7 is 49. If my math is still correct. And then you add 1. And so you count those weeks. So wherever Wherever Easter is, if you want to know where Pentecost Sunday is, you just simply go right down the list and count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's this Sunday. That's how you know Pentecost, and that's what it's all about. Now, the Old Testament, uh, you, you can—it's the called in the Jews sort of uh, uh, discussion. It's Shabbat. Um, not Shabbat, but Shabbat. Um, And it's a celebration of the barley harvest. They have had a wave offering at the beginning and now the grain is grown and now they are taking the first fruits of the grain, they're grinding it and they make bread, they make two loaves of bread usually. And it comes out of the fire. And the purpose for all of that is to celebrate that on that day the Torah was given. Mount Sinai was covered in fire and smoke and God gave the Torah. So this celebration of Pentecost in an agricultural society was celebrated by the giving of the waving of bread uh, on the day of Pentecost and they would wave the bread in the streets the the first fruits of that bread and they walked down and they would celebrate that that day had fully arrived and of course for the Jews day it begins in the evening and a day begins at sunset for Jews and goes till the next sunset So when they said the day of Pentecost had fully come, it meant that it was in the morning. And so this was that celebration. They have now taken the bread, the grain, they've ground it, they've they've made the flour and they've gone through the process and this celebration, one of the few celebrations that allowed them to use leaven or yeast to make the bread rise so that it would be like a loaf of bread. Sort of like hollow. bread is today if you want to think of it in terms of that sort of a loaf of bread not their normal flat bread that has no yeast this uh, celebration used yeast because they would bake the bread in the fire and then they would wave it as a wave offering and that's what that meant now of course when you go back and study in Exodus the 30th chapter through the 33rd chapter, that original day of Pentecost, when Moses got the tabernacle, I mean the tablets of commandments of God, and came down, he was, saw them dancing and worshiping a golden calf, and he got very angry and he broke that first uh, set of commandments. I guess he was the first man that broke all 10 at one time. Whatever and he broke those and uh, he uh, tore down the golden calf he stamped it he threw it in the water he made him drink it he was, he was wroth he was angry and the fire of the Lord went out and 3,000 people were killed according to the Old Testament were killed uh, that day because they were worshipping the golden calf why? why? You say, why was that so important? Because God viewed the giving of the Torah or the giving of the law, His marriage covenant to Israel. You see, Israel had been over 400 years, several generations as slaves in Egypt. And so finally when the Lord brought them out with the help of Moses and we know all the story and all the plagues and what God did to set them free and the blood of the Passover lamb being that last sacrifice that liberated them out of the land of Egypt this giving of the Torah was as it was the wedding ceremony. As a matter of fact uh, in the jewish religion today when a jewish couple get married typically it's under a canopy because it symbolizes mount sinai and, and they are under that canopy to symbolize when god first made his marriage to the jewish people and that was an oath you know like it is in our marriages when you get married you know, you say, do you promise to do this and this, and I love, honor, and obey, and I promise till death do us part. Anybody ever heard words like that? Well, you make those promises. And if you will read the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are written just that way. They were written as a covenant between God and the people of Israel. He said, I'm the Lord that brought you out of the land of Egypt. I promised to do these things for you. Now I want you to promise to thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not kill. And so it was this sense of a wedding ceremony, if you will. So can you imagine if you would think about it why God would get so angry on the day of Pentecost the giving of the law that he would kill 3,000 of them would be because you know it would be like kind of going to a wedding and the bride and groom are getting ready to say the vows and the, bride, the groom has said his vows and he turns to the bride and she's visiting with some other guy on the phone <laughs> and saying what are you doing tomorrow night <laughs> are you going to be there are we going to be able to visit with each other and she's worshipping and dancing around so you can kind of see that would be a little awkward in the wedding you, you kinda, you're getting a picture of kind of what happened on the original Pentecost and so sure enough the Lord was pretty upset about that because it's like I've just brought you out of Egypt, I came here to marry you, I've just made my promises to you, and now you're worshiping a golden calf as if that who's who brought you out. And so, you know, it's like, I I took care of the slavery, I set you free, I've done all of this, and, and then you're gonna act that way. So, Pentecost is a very festive celebration. It is often, if you think about it in terms of a feast today, it is using leavened bread, fire, but it also involves milk and honey, which is kind of uh, unusual uh, things involved in feasts. A lot of their Passover feasts would be roast lamb, would be salt water, bitter herbs, things to remind them of what they went through in slavery and all of those kinds of things. But Pentecost is a time of festivity. It's a time of milk and honey. Now the reason for all of that is because the writers have said that the law is sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. And so in fact there's a biblical reference that says it's like milk and honey are under your tongue that's found in the song of Solomon the Psalms 119 and then Psalms 19 both have references and we've sung the song sweeter than honey in the honeycomb Thy word is that way it is sweeter than all of that and so why because these are the promises of God and when you think in terms of the Bible, and I know these graduates are, are going to, you know, they've, they've been through studying books and they've had to listen to all of that and they've had to read and they've had to figure out what somebody wrote and all of that and I am sure there were times it was not very sweet and I'm sure there were classes that they didn't have that they just jumped up early out of bed and were loving to get to every day but yet in terms of us and our relationship with almighty God his word should be like something that is sweeter than anything else that we have I know we're living in a in a society where we text and we get text and we, we, we we, you know Facebook and FaceTime, but oh, Lord, help us never to reach the point where we are so thankful that I know the word of the Lord. I'm able to open it and let Him him speak to me. Let Him somehow challenge me. Let Him talk to me. Why? It's better than getting a text from your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife. I'm glad the Lord left His word so that I can say it's sweeter than honey to the honey and the honeycomb. So, well... I don't feel that way about the Bible, it's such a problem, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand it and I can't, well then ask the Lord to start changing my outlook, I want to read the word and I want to be excited about the word, I want to be excited to read what the word has to say, I know that's what the children of Israel kind of said, they said we don't want to hear God talk, we just let you talk to him, Moses and you, you sort of tell us what's going on. Now, as you read about this history of this festival, they actually the Jews believe that David was born and died on Pentecost or on this celebration of the feast of weeks of the Shabbat. Uh, they believe that he was born on that day and that he died on that day, and that uh, he wrote the book of Psalms. So A lot of times on this festival they read psalms, they read his worship songs because they believe that that's part of what will bring success and wonder to their lives. And I would tell you as as an individual that (coughs) grew up in a a pastor's home, good to have my folks here and all that, but grew up with Uh, studying the word of God talking about the word of God (coughs) there is something about that hiding that word into my heart and mind and the principles of the word that will make your way prosperous and make you have good success that's what Joshua told the children of Israel that the Lord had spoken to him whenever Moses had died and Moses who was given the Torah and Joshua was about to lead the children of Israel into the promised land the Lord said again sort of made that covenant made that marriage again with Joshua and the children of Israel and he said this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein Day and night that thou mayest observe to do, to perform according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Now I know that principle seems a little strange on graduation Sunday. To say that if you will ingest the word of God into your life, you will become successful and prosperous but I'm telling you, that's the truth. I want these graduates to know. You can say, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be a whatever, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, doesn't matter. But if you really want to have success in your life, does that mean that all everybody here is a doctor? No. Does that mean everybody here makes ultimate? No. But you will be surprised how you will be able to lay your head down at night and feel like, you know what? I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. Why? I'm serving Him. There's a sense of fulfillment that you can find in living for God that you will not find in satisfaction uh, whether you're the manager or the boss or the president or the vice president. It doesn't matter. There is some success that you can find in knowing I am serving God. Why? Because it becomes an absolute authority in our life. And you know what? We are living in an hour that is, is this what I call the self-regeneration and I know I preached on, on some of that a few weeks ago. <clears throat> but... And that is that sense of it's all about me. And if we're not careful, that's what religion has almost been relegated to. It's all about me. I can choose it or not. If it makes me feel good, it's great. If it does something for me, it's fine. If it does something that I like, it's great. But if it's not, it doesn't fit me. It doesn't fit my schedule. If it doesn't fit what I want. But you know what? There is something to be said about recognizing God wants to marry me, and I want to be married to Him, and that's more important than anything that I want personally. Somehow I've got to recognize that, you know, I have to submit to someone else. I have to be willing to do something for someone else. Now what's amazing is that when the Jews got the Torah, the Decalogue, they call it, the Ten Words, they look at those same words of creation that there were ten words given in the book of Genesis the first chapter as creation and they believe that the Decalogue or the ten, that's what it's called, the ten words the Torah, this new tree of life was given to them personally that they are the people of the book and they have the word of God And so it's part of who they are, that they want to study it because they believe that the more you ingest the Word of God, the more healing there is to your heart, your mind, your soul, your emotions, the more physical healing, the more mental healing, the more emotional healing, the more success you have, so the more you ingest the Word of God. Now you may say, I don't know if I believe that. I'm telling you, I've seen that happen so many times that. I can't, I, I've i not only seen people get healed but I've seen God move through His Word and heal emotions heal people that should be troubled depressed, upset, anxious it doesn't matter that's why we have the Word of God it's faith cometh by hearing hearing how? by the Word there's just something about it and I want these young folks to know this Word is something. In fact, it will help you keep from sinning. It will change your at, your actions. In fact, one writer said, I thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. You say, why? There is a something about this word that becomes so vital. Now we realize that's the word and we I could preach about the word for Several hours and not touch, scratch the surface, and there's so many verses. In fact, in fact, one writer said, I believe it was in Psalms, that Thy word has been exalted more than even Thy name, and the word of God is vital. And I know we're we are now in a great hour where you can get an app. <laughs> you don't have to. Have all the you know books. You can listen to the Word as you uh, are driving. You can listen to the Bible as you're on the road. And yet, we find folks more and more and more and more not reading the Bible. I understand. We we don't. I don't. I didn't bring my Bible at all to Australia. I brought an iPad. I brought an iPhone. I have it right there. I got it. I realize it. But if we don't use all of this technology that's available to get the Word of God in our hearts and minds, then we are not, we are not using it to the best of its ability. What's beautiful about all of it is the Word of God is so readily available. You can put it on an app. It can talk to you. It can talk to you while you're driving. It can put you to sleep at night. Whatever it is that you want to hit the app and let it... Or you can say, well, I'm going to listen to whatever. I'm going to listen to whatever. I'm going to listen to that music or this music or that show or this show. Oh, there's something about letting that Word come into my heart and mind that will begin to transform it. I'm so thankful that One day the Lord gave us his word. And then you go from there and you realize, well, Ezekiel in the Old Testament prophesied about a new spirit and a new heart. That was coming. You read it in Ezekiel the 11th chapter and the 19th verse and the 18th chapter and the 31st verse and the 36th chapter and the 26th verse. Where he said a new heart. A new spirit. I'm going to put in you. I'm going to take away your hard heart. Your stony heart. And I'm going to let the word soften you. Because the word. The Bible says is sharp. Like a sword. And it's quick. and, And it will get down. To the joints and marrow, and it will—it'll correct you. It'll challenge your way you're thinking. It'll challenge what you've thought. It'll challenge what you're doing. And I know we don't like to necessarily be challenged, but it's the absolute. And, and what what folks don't somehow realize, and I know they've been in school and they've been taught that math is sacrosanct and it, it is the way it is all the time. In other words, it's you know you know all, two plus two is always four and four plus four is always eight. I get it and. So Science is is very, you know, but the Word of God is, well, if you want to believe it or if you don't want to believe it. And that's just not true. It's the Word that if we line ourselves up to the Word, it's the Word that will transform us. It's not making the Word fit me. It's making me submit to the Word. That's why the gift of the word was so vital. And that's why he said, I'll take out your stony heart, your hard heart. Well, What does that mean? Every one of us have been hurt, and we've been done wrong, we've had things happen, and we don't like it. and, And so... You know, we can get our thinking warped and I don't like this and this one I don't like and I don't like that. And it's something about just hearing the Word, reading the Word that will challenge that way of thinking and that will make me go, ooh, you know what? I I may be off there. And, And unfortunately, the less Word that you have in your life, the less you have anything to challenge you. And... You start to think that it's up to you, and, and I've, I've talked to so many people, and not anybody, that are sitting in the sound of my voice right now, but I, I've talked to people and, and they say, "Well, I don't think God this, and I don't think God that, and I don't think." And I'm like, "Where did you come up with that idea? Where did you get that? That you don't think God? Whatever, fill in the blank. Or that, well, God wants me to be whatever. And I'm like, oh, really? Fulfilled. I, well, what, where's the verse for that? Where's the scripture for that? What is it that you, why is it that you think that you, your thoughts are greater than the word of God? And so that's why it becomes important. These folks have had to submit to teachers. They've had to submit to people that have told them, Whatever they had to learn for their, in order to get the degree. Unfortunately, it was not enough for them to go third grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, twelfth grade, college course and say, you know what, I don't believe that. I don't think that's necessary. It doesn't matter whether it's a trade school or whatever. I mean, go to an electrician school and say, I don't think that you're going to get shocked if you put this wire and this wire together. I just don't believe that. Great. Just do it. And you know? And yet people will look at the Word of God as being one of those sort of optional "I get to choose the word. And that's what Zechariah, the Old Testament prophet, said, they made their hearts as an adamant stone. They became hard-hearted, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord has sent in His Spirit by the former prophets. So he is talking about how that you can you can make yourself believe that your words are as important as the Word of God. And what I wanted these graduates, and I appreciate them all being here, to know is that just as much as the English teacher that said, this subject's got to agree with that verb and that noun and all that predicate and as much as the math teacher said this there is something about the word of God that they need to embrace in their mind it's forever settled in heaven heaven and earth shall pass away but the word of God is going to be there forever it's not up to me to try to find the mistakes in the word it's up to me to line myself up to the word of God Uh, you say it was written by humans yes but when you consider the so many miraculous texts that from so many different people from so many different time periods that would prophesy about the coming of a Messiah and the things that would happen it's greater than chance I want to tell you the word of God is the thing that I have to measure myself up against and say this is the absolute that I want to follow because if I don't have that then what will I follow if I don't use the word then what then what will I I line myself up to? My ideas? Well, Hitler's done that. Huh? What I think? What somebody else tells me? Who do I line up to? If I don't, you got to choose something. You know? It's like saying, I want to be a Buckeye fan, but I just really love purple and gold or blue and gold. I'm sorry, if you're going to be a Buckeye fan, you're going to wear scarlet and gray. Huh? It's like you don't get to pick. You say, but I look good in navy and maize or whatever. Okay, then be a Michigan fan. But I like green. Well, then be a Notre Dame fan. I don't care. But the point is, you don't get to tell them. You understand? It's about me lining up to the Word. And that's why Pentecost was so important because Paul explained it in Romans and in Corinthians. He said, you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. The New Testament, he said, you are supposed to be the Word of God. We read all these epistles. I'm an epistle. You're an epistle. These young folks are supposed to be an epistle of Christ. Ministered by us. Written not in ink, but how? what is supposed to be written on you? The Spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. That's why... Pentecostal experience is so exciting and is so important because you see, John the Baptist had prophesied or talked about the coming of the time whenever the Holy Ghost was going to be outpoured. He said, I can't unloose your shoes, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. They didn't know what all that was going on. They just knew they had the Torah. They had the law. They had the word. And yet, Jesus had talked about the Holy Ghost he in fact breathed on his disciples and he said receive you the Holy Ghost he didn't couldn't give it John the 7th chapter explains it why because he was not yet glorified he couldn't actually give it to them, but he told them to receive it and then he told them in Luke he said I want you to tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with promise from on high and so this, this is the word and the spirit and so the word of God told them to go to Jerusalem now this is the same word and spirit that was in the very beginning the spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters read it Genesis the first chapter and the second verse Job talked about uh, was quoting Elihu who said the spirit of God made me and the breath of the almighty have given me life now John the first chapter said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God 14th verse And we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Psalms 33rd chapter says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. Meaning the Spirit. The Spirit... The breath, the pneuma. He said, the word and spirit together produce life. They produce a transformation. They started in Genesis, the first chapter, with a transformation of creation. It went through Job, talked about it. Psalms talks about it. Jesus said, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem until you get this breath from God. This word. This marriage covenant, if you will. <laughs> and so, you remember? That's what the giving of the Holy Ghost was all about. And so in Acts, the second chapter, we're familiar with the story. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they were appeared unto them cloven tongues, two tongues, like at least two cloven, ripped together like this bread, like this celebration, like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. When they began to ask what was going on and they heard people speaking in their own language... Simon Peter began to prophesy he quoted Joel he said this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dream it doesn't matter whether you're old it doesn't matter whether you're young the spirit wants to activate itself in you and through you and he goes on to say in the 33rd verse these people that you see they're not drunk like you think they're drunk but they have just had an experience that has. we've been counting the days they went to the upper room and started counting and they got to 25 and they got to 35 and they got to 45 and they got to 55, 50 and all of a sudden when that day was fully come there it was Pentecost 50 and the Holy Ghost fell and he said these having received of, of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost has been, been shed forth, which you now see and hear. What's so exciting about this is you can have that same experience today. Amen. And I know that we're living in an hour, and you say, and I've had people say, well, are you saying you have to have the Holy Ghost? Are you saying you must have the Holy Ghost? That's a you know, I know, Acts 19, there were believers that didn't have the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. I get it. I, I don't, that's, I'm not the judge. But what I'm telling you is this was the marriage covenant. This was the vows, the word that was written in stone is now able to be written in the fleshly tables of our heart. And when I speak forth in a heavenly language... What I'm basically saying is, I do. Do you take this man to be your lawful? I do. And I'm speaking it back and you say well you can have a relationship without being married I got it I know all of that I'm not I, I, I'm not here I'm telling you what's so exciting about Pentecost it's like a graduation Sunday these graduates have been counting down to the day that they would walk down the aisle they've been looking at the calendar they've been graduating oh, But let me tell you that countdown is nothing compared to the countdown that takes place before the wedding Anybody know what I'm talking about? I remember those days, believe it or not, just 42 short years ago that I was counting down, you know, when's it going to be? When's it going to happen? And I, I I was fully convinced that the Lord was going to come on November the 3rd, you know, right before we got married. Because we got married in 77 and that was, you know, 77 reasons why He's going to come in 77. So it was really going to happen in 77. And you count down. And especially if you're a bride. Huh? Ladies? Hello? Six more months. Three more months. (laughs) Countdown. This is the day. It's going to happen. Oh. Here they were in the upper room counting down to Pentecost saying, I don't know what's going to happen but we're fixing to have a celebration when the day of Pentecost is fully come. And about that time, the wind of God blew through that room and they began to speak forth in a heavenly language and the word. In fact they came tumbling out of there and other people, you know what they said? They said, we hear a word from you in our own language praising God. Magnifying God. Worshipping God. The Word was being made flesh through them. Oh, what a privilege. I'm not saying we're Jesus, but that Word is really coming through us. The Word was made flesh again. And those of you who have received the Holy Ghost know what I'm talking about for that one moment. And if you've never had it... I, I, I. I understand you, you you may not want it but let, let me explain something to you 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 should try it just try it and see if you like it because for that one moment you are just sort of transformed you are just all of a sudden that one with him it's like you're everything else is blocked gone you forget where you are and, huh you forget who all's there I, I I'll be honest, I I probably could remember all of the men that stood with me in the wedding. I obviously can't remember all that were in the audience. I might could remember all the people that stood with me, but I'd have to think about it. I can promise you, her friends, I didn't know any of them. But I remember I was there. And she was there. Huh? That's what getting the Holy Ghost is all about. It's like all of a sudden you forget. You know, and I've had people say, well, I'd be too embarrassed. I don't pray. I don't let people. When you just let the Holy Ghost start flowing through you, it just all of a sudden you forget about everything. You forget about where you are. You forget about who's around you, who's praying with you and I I know we, we, we try to be kind and nice and we don't want to you know, hurt people and force them and uh, we, we get excited and we scream and we're excited. I know all of that. I get it and yet we try to be kind but at some point when you're receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost you just get raptured away for a very moment and it's almost like whether it's a day, you're walking with him, dancing with him, uh, you're someplace different. You're no longer here. I don't know whether it's the third heaven or not, but you just—it's—it's it's gone. Huh? Anybody agree with what? Anybody that's had this? Huh? What are you saying? This gift is for everyone. This wonderful marriage and you have it. And oh, hallelujah. This, you see, this experience... Will do more than just transform you for a moment. Which it does. But it is able to start transforming your life. It's that word. And that's the part that probably. That's the drawback to being married. And I, I know. If you, when you get married to the Lord. When you really marry him. I'm, I'm talking about this getting this word inside of you. It's like he won't just leave you alone at times. Huh? I've seen people walk away from God and I'm not going to serve God and there's just something eats on them a little bit and bothers them. And, huh? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And they think about it and they, they they can try to drown it out with whatever and they can try to override it but there's just something about it. They've experienced the power of the world to come, and they've 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 had something that's that's transformative. And in fact, this early church, who could have imagined? You can't follow a man by the name of Jesus and who died on a cross unless something transformed your life. And that's what happened to the early church. That's why Christianity has grown. And I know I, I want these young folks to understand that it's not. Christianity it's not a a situation where you say oh well I don't know you know all religions no this was one where he is the savior he is he has done something and so this early church you know the Romans accepted all kinds of gods the Greek accepted all kinds of gods they didn't care if you had a god we'll let you have your god it doesn't matter bring your god to our god all the Greek gods they just gave them new names to the Romans they didn't care They didn't care what kind of God you serve. You can serve your God and our God's too. But something started transforming these Christians. And you read it that all of a sudden they believed that Jesus was God. And Emperor Diocletian came up with a great idea. He said... We need to make sure that everybody's loyal to Rome. You know, we need national loyalty. We're all Roman citizens. Hoorah! So we're going to have a little pledge of allegiance. You go and once a year, burn incense, and say, Caesar is Lord. <laughs> and the Christians were like, I can't do that. And so then they started making up all these wonderful stories about him. You, now this is just history. I'm helping these graduates understand. It's just history. and the, So they started saying, you know, they eat people, Christians do, because they eat the Lord's body and drink his blood. They're cannibals. And then they don't believe they can die. So let's try an experiment. Let's just feed them to the lions and cut them in half and saw them asunder and all these wonderful things and we'll prove to them that we can kill them. <laughs> but the early church, Paul who wrote this letter to the Philippians in jail but was transformed when he had the bright light hit him and he said Who art thou Lord? And that voice said I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And then they went, the preacher came and laid hands on him and received the Holy Ghost. Paul said that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, of things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What are you saying? I am saying, and I, I, I mentioned this because of just coming back from Australia and hearing that we are living in an hour of what, what I call legal tolerance, and I'm for legal tolerance. I understand that. That allowing people to believe whatever you want to believe. You can believe in whatever you want to believe and do whatever you want to do as long as it's within the law. I get it. Legal tolerance I'm okay with. Social tolerance I'm even okay with. Meaning that I'm not going to try to impose what I believe on any of you. I'm not going to make you believe what I do. You should live at peace with all men. But I want you to understand there is still something that I cannot tolerate and that is anything that is contrary to the word of God in my life I want to live my life by the word of almighty God I want to line it up not my life to the word I want the word to flow through me so that I line myself up to the word doesn't matter whether religion accepts it it doesn't matter whether society accepts it it doesn't matter whether they pass laws that I can do whatever I want to do I want my life lined up to the Word of God. And that's the difference because the Word's been flowing through me. And that Word convicts me. You see, we're living in an hour in which folks are not as concerned about sin, but it's about sadness, about feeling good. It's not about whether or not I'm sinning or I'm doing wrong. And you say, well, that's very legalistic. I don't want you to judge me. I'm not judging you. But the Word ought to judge you. But you know, I want to be able to do what I want and then also have the Word flow through. It doesn't work that way. Not because I'm making the law, because the Word's making it. The Word's trying to... He wants to marry you. He wants you to be His spouse, it's not and you say well but I don't feel good, I want to be happy, I want to be fulfilled, I want to be I got it, I understand that that's where we are but and I I put here in this uh, my last slide, I'm through but it's like shooting arrows you know you remember the old story about the guy that goes back and he's driving down the highway and he sees a barn and it's got 10 or 15 arrows and they're all in the bullseye and they're all over the side of the barn and the guy stops and says, man whoever's shooting there hit a perfect bullseye each time. It's amazing. And the guy goes, yeah, it's just the way it is. He said, well can I watch you shoot? Sure! He goes out and gets a bow, an arrow, shoots an arrow in the barn. Hits the side of the barn. Then he, Gets his bucket of red paint, paints a circle around it. It's a perfect shot every time. I hit the mark. The Word won't let you be that way. It's just. And you can run, but you can't hide from this covenant. That's what's so exciting about this hour I, I'm not but what a privilege it is to be able to feel and oh at times it makes me mad and I i say well why don't they and why don't you make them and why how do I have to do that anybody ever no probably here probably ever felt that way huh how come I have to and they, you let them well not everybody you let you let them get by huh the word is working on me you gotta be nice, you gotta be kind, you gotta (laughs) just tell me the five things I need to do to graduate well repent be believer as John said he that believeth out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water but it's just to somehow say Lord here it is I want to all of a sudden not graduate from school and I'm sorry Jared I know it seems like don't be overwhelmed but the Holy Ghost is just kindergarten (laughs) all over again you don't reach the diploma thing where you feel like, I've got it. I'm all that in a bag of chips. I am a Christian. I'm apostolic. I've got it made. Huh? The word lives in me. And all of a sudden, it says again, I got to work on that spot, I got to work on this one. gotta work on that you say well pastor are you trying to say that i'm all i'm here to do is to open the bread of life show you the word let the word work on you if you'll let the word work on you the word will take care of it what are you saying you're sort of in school until the day you die I know we celebrate a lot of things. It was good to see Sister Brown here. I thought of her as we were having all the D Day celebrations because of Brother Brown, and Brother Gail, and he was on the. And I get it. I, I, I am so thankful for those milestones. And the, receiving the Holy Ghost is a wonderful milestone. Repenting of your sins is a wonderful milestone. Being baptized in Jesus' name is a wonderful milestone. But it can't stop there. There's no graduation Sunday that I've now made it. I no longer have to hear the word. I no longer have to pray. I no longer have to... Sorry. Not in this world. In this world, it's about, Lord, let your word work on me. I want to experience that Pentecost all over again. Let's stand. Hallelujah. And what's so exciting is that it's for us. For every one of us. In fact, why don't we come? If you're here tonight this morning and you say Lord, I want somehow to feel what He's talking about. I would like to receive that. I'm tired of just shooting arrows on the barn saying that it's perfect. I I know Paul said I strive for perfection I'm pushing my way that way why because the word was working on it I want the word to work on me I wanted the word to work on my mind I want the word to work on my heart I want the word to work on my emotions why because in this hour we see so many folks that are so torn up by what they're feeling and what they're experiencing In fact, the Jews were to the point where they argued with Jesus and said simply, we have never been slaves to anyone. And guess what? They were slaves at that time. The world will enslave you. But when you get the Word working on you, you experience true freedom. Oh, hallelujah. Let's just thank the Lord for Pentecost. Thank Him for the Word. Hallelujah.